Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time. A Wave Sports and Entertainment original presented by Prize Picks. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Subscribe and like, do all of that stuff. Uh, we're in one of those interesting times in the sports calendar. Well, quite honestly, ain't nothing really popping. But lucky for me, some people got the bright idea that running up on Cam Newton was a good idea. And I got to just say that for where I'm sitting right now. I don't know what the hell we'd be doing for a television show if people didn't decide to run up on people in scales large and small. Um, some people in North Carolina and some people in Georgia. And running up on is going to be a common theme in this, uh, this particular episode. And so cast aside, they wanted to run up on Cam Newton. Now, um, as we got started with this show... I came across a statement apparently that uh, rolled through about an hour and a half ago from some people called Top Shelf Performance, a.k.a. TSP. And who is TSP? Apparently, Sean, if we could put it up on the screen for the people, TSP is these people that thought it was a good idea to run up on Cam Newton. Now, we got some video here. Right, you see that? It's like four dudes and it's like one Cam. You see that? Yeah, it's four dudes. It's one Cam. Cam got one of these dudes in a headlock and he throwing another one away. Some staff come to break it up. And honestly, that's probably the best thing that ever happened to the people who decided to run up on Cam. It's been very difficult for me to get a great handle on whether or not the people who ran up on Cam were youngsters, all grownups, right? But they decided, can we run that one more time, Sean? Because I really just want to make sure that the people watching us on YouTube Get a real good chance to understand. Look look at that big motherfucker right there. The hat didn't go nowhere. These dudes are just getting slung around. Like, I don't, I don't, I mean, this is a lot going on. Somebody came in here trying to throw some haymakers. It didn't really seem to do too much as it related to Cam. Um, I got to say, man, it's a sad statement on the state of journalism. I went to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. They ain't seem to have no information on what was going on. They had reports that was making references to TMZ. Like this, the local authority is supposed to be on the ground here. Maybe I don't know if they should have been there in the first place. Like this is a very Atlanta 707 sort of thing. For those of you who are not up on what the 707 game is, it's kind of like AAU for football. They'd be out here playing flag football. That's how you keep the kids sharp. They be throwing the balls all the time. And these teams are kind of coached by like people. You know what I mean? Like, like it's 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 similar to AAU in that regard. They getting coached by people. It's a lot going on here. Can't tell who all the people are. But one thing I've noticed about this scene, and I'm not necessarily saying who's right, who's wrong, but I don't feel like there's a great deal of respect for Cam Newton in this scene, given who Cam Newton is, right? Like, like I feel like Cam Newton is the father to a whole lot of people's style out there, and yet and still, they don't, they don't seem to have like that supreme respect for Cam that I would expect for people to have for that guy in that city, all that stuff, da-da-da. There's so many different directions that we could go in. And if we're going to be honest about this, at least if I'm going to be honest about this, I see a lot of directions to go in. But for me personally, 
Okay, I'm just going to give you this in advance. I don't really have anything serious to say. Like, if you want to make this into like a larger bit, I'm probably not going to be able to help you out with that. I see lots of things that I find on various levels, quite honestly, to be a bit uproarious. A lot of things that I can't understand. Me and Spencer were talking about this last night on text. And he said that all them people running up on Cam was basically like running up on Jesus. I was like, no, nah, this wasn't like running up on Jesus. Shaw, run this one more time. This looked like four people was trying to tackle the, that, that Jesus statue in Brazil. You know what I'm saying? The joint, the joint right here. Y'all know that what I'm talking about. It looked like four people decided, yo, if we all bend our knees and we all go low, we can take Christ the Redeemer. We gonna get Christ the we gonna get Christ the Redeemer down. Let me tell you something, Flash. What no form tackle gonna do the job? There wasn't nothing that they could do. Jesus was just gonna be standing here just like this when y'all got finished, just like he did when y'all got started. It's gonna look exactly the same. And you know how I know this? I will never forget this as long as I live. First game of Cam Newton's career, he set the NFL record for most passing yards by a rookie. It was something like 400 yards or whatever it was. But I remember, first of all, just being like, how is he, how are you that big, right? Like there are some people, and it's hard to explain who they are when they come up. There's some people who, when you're around them, it what the numbers say isn't the point about how big they are. Like Cam Newton's about 6'5", 250 pounds, okay, that is a league full of guys that are about 6'5", 250. Not all of them just feel like the biggest motherfucker on earth like Cam does. And I have to say motherfucker because like, that's a big motherfucker, man. Like there's no other term to explain how big this motherfucker is. That's a big motherfucker, man. Like that's, that's just what he is. Like you're like, who is that? Man, who is that big motherfucker over there? That, that's the question that you ask if you saw that dude and you didn't know who he was. It wouldn't matter if your mama was around. Who was it? Who's that big motherfucker right there? You could have a seven-year-old. If they look up and they're like, wow, mommy, who's that big motherfucker right there? The only thing you can say to that kid is, wow, that really is a big motherfucker. I didn't know you knew the technical term. That's what Cam Newton is, right? All these cats at Super Bowl who saw him, they were just walking up and they were just like, wow, I can't believe how big he is. So like they're dudes like Julius Peppers is an interesting case on this. LeBron James to me fits in this description also. Where you're when you see them and you are definitely struck by how big they are, but you're also somehow struck by like how slim they are. You know, like you look at somebody like Julius Peppers, you'd be like, yo, that's the biggest dude I've ever seen. And he might have like a size 32 waist. Like I think Carl Malone had like a size 31 waist or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, like you, you see just how efficiently big they are. Cam, that's not what I'm talking about, man. I talked to somebody that said the Cam walked past them once and it cast a shadow. Literally a shadow, a shadow. Like he's just the giantest man in the world. And these dudes decided, yeah, I'm gonna run up on Cam. That's what, that's what we're going to do. Um, the statement came out. It's got some explanation as to where the beef come from. I don't care what your explanation is. If you got beef with Cam, step one is squashing it. I, I, like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where on the list of ideas we're going to get to. We're going to run up on Cam. How about that? I just don't know how we get here. I have no idea how in the world you get to that point. And that's before we get to the fact that he went to Wedley. And I know that doesn't mean anything to most of you. But those of you who understood exactly the word that I use right there, even though I didn't use all the letters, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Pac-Man put his Popeyes down and fought that dude at the airport. And Cam Newton, as somebody in my mention said earlier today, 
won a fight where it was four on one. He was the one and he didn't even throw a punch. Okay? Y'all need to leave where lay alone. Just, just trust me on that. That's what you need to do. But anyway, I think we need to explore this from some angles that I believe have not been properly explored. Okay? Now, Cam was run up on some people that called themselves the TSP crew. Now, one thing I find that's very interesting, and I know that you've probably noticed this in other parts of your life, and I've definitely seen it. You know those people that always got to sound like they know what they talk about, even though they don't know what they're talking about, right? You know those people who, who can never come in with a question where you start talking about something and they don't know what it is. They can never stop and be like, hey, man, I don't really know what that is right now. They always got to act like they know what they talk about. So I get on the Internet and people are like, yo, Cam got run up on by the TSP crew. And I'm like, what the hell is a TSP crew? I'm looking at the aggregator accounts like that one where people don't even know if the person is real and they just think he live in Israel or something. He was like, yo, Cam Newton got run up by the TSP crew. You don't know what the hell no TSP crew is. But everybody just acted like, it. I'm like, what is this? Like, is, is that the people that's old trial with Young Thug? No, those are that's a different set of letters. It's Atlanta. You can't just be throwing letters out here at me and I'm not supposed to wonder if it's a gang or not. I pay attention. I read the news. You know what I'm saying? Or at least some rappers. I don't know who the hell no TSP is. I can bottle you know, teaspoon, right? But I knew it couldn't be that, right? Or for, I don't know. Maybe that's some kind of cocaine reference that I ain't up on. Either way it goes. But they said... Uh, Cam got run up on by the TSP crew, whoever they was, and it was four people. Shaw put it up there again, man. I just, I mean, I, I derive great joy in watching this happen. Just look at this. So it's the TSP crew, and it's one of them dudes wearing a Prince jacket. We gonna roll this back. We gonna roll this back around to the front after it goes down again. And like, even people came late thinking they was gonna throw blows. Not once did anybody think that Cam Newton was going to go to the ground. Not a single time. Go, yeah, run it back, run it back, run it back. You, I'll tell you what to press pause. Pause right there. Dang, we missed it. But that dude in the purple, you see that, Sean? I did, I did. Ain't that the yep. Prince logo? Yep, I think it is. Yo, let me tell you something, man. And I'm, y'all know me. Sean, you've been to my house. You see my record collection. You know how I feel about Prince, okay? You know where I'm at. Man, can you imagine wearing your official Prince gear and decide that you're going to go fight somebody? Are you serious? Come on, man. You, what are you talking about? So anyway, I got to say this about the TSP crew. And this statement that this woman put out, I really can't go through all of it and everything else, da-da-da, all that stuff, right? All I'm going to say is this. I don't know who's in charge of the TSP crew. That's what it is, TSP crew? Correct. Okay. I don't know who's in charge of it. But whoever that is got something that we need to figure out how to harness it and like move it in the proper direction. Cause let me tell you something. If you can get three, four people to follow you into a fight with Cam Newton, you a goddamn inspiration. Like, <laughs> who are you? We Like if you can get people to do that, we have got to get, we got to put those talents to a more productive use. Cause there's no way you convincing me that we about to go fight Cam Newton. No, sir, Reed, Bob, you, you convinced a dude in a Prince jacket that we going to go fight Cam. And they was like, yeah, you right. We about to go fight Cam. What? Hey, 
Hey, hey, hey. That's all I'm saying. This man, this man got something inside him that people gravitate toward. You know what I'm saying? Like, we gotta, we gotta put that right there in the in the right direction. Now, them boys who decided to follow along, on one level, I agree that this man who got them there is an inspiration. But on the other side, those boys are morons. And look, I understand that I might be talking about some minors here. And if I'm calling your child a moron, I apologize. But don't act like you didn't call the little motherfucker a moron when you found out that he tried to fight Cam. Come on now. You find out that your son decided to fight Cam Newton. You, you, you know you, you erred. You somewhere dropped the ball, right? Somewhere along the way, either that child has some anger that hasn't been processed, right? Or just quite honestly, that boy is just terrible at math. Like really, really bad at, cannot count. Just 100% cannot count. Out here hanging with the wrong crew, right? And the crew I'm talking about ain't even necessarily hoodlums. I'm just talking about dummies. Just hanging out with dummies. That's, 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 that's something, something in there needed to be fixed okay but i want to talk to one person in particular at this moment and talking about what we saw with the cam newton video and um those of you who have watched this show and been you know part of what we've been doing for many years you know the things that are important to me if you follow me over the course of the last 20 years you know like things that that you know the issues that we said I'm passionate about and the things that I find to be interesting and find to be entertaining and everything else, okay? Okay. I just got one person I want to talk to right now. And uh, what's that boy's name? Uh, Chosen? Is that, you know who I'm talking about, Sean? No, Chosen? Yeah, Chosen. Chosen is Cam Newton's oldest son. And on this show, um, we talk a lot about people who had that fateful day that they decided that they was going to run up on their pops and they learned the hard way that they should not have run up on their pops like and the truth is all those people who had that bright idea of running up on their pops my assumption is that none of them had ever seen their pops engage in no fisticuffs you know so they they just they had misunderstood what kind of man their daddy was and maybe that's the case. And look, I bet that boy chosen is probably not no small man himself. After all, Cam Newton is his daddy. But all I'm telling you right now, boy, is if you put it on YouTube, you just got a real public service announcement about why you need to leave your big ass daddy alone. I don't care what he say to you. He going to be saying some wild stuff to you. Y'all going to be in a place where that testosterone in that house is going to be bouncing off the walls, man. And you're going to feel the need to assert yourself. And I think the best way for you to assert yourself is through excellent report cards. Like, I think that if you if you show up with all A's, I mean, no disrespect to Cam, but I don't know how many times he did that. You want to show your daddy that you the man, that you got something on him? That's the way for you to do it. You need to do it hitting them books because hitting that man run the clip again, run the clip again, chosen which one, which one of these dudes, which one of these dudes you want to be you, right? Which one of them you think is you, right? You want to be, you want to be the one that your daddy just about threw over a fence. Like, yo, do you know how strong you have to be to hit somebody in real life with the Irish whip? Like the Irish whip 
is the fakest move in all of wrestling. I'm going to grab you and spin you in a circle and push you and make you run all the way into something, bounce off of it, and then run back. Nothing is faker than the Irish whip. Cam grabbed that boy by the neck and was about to hit him with an Irish whip. He would have threw him against that fence, that metal fence, and he'd have bounced off that shit like it was a rope. Look at that! Dog! <laughs> they had no shot! <laughs> they had no chance! This is my favorite screen grab because he is smiling at this moment, <laughs> which is just like, you know who you're messing with if you get jumped by five guys and you're smiling afterwards. And the hat didn't come off. The hat made no move. First of all, the fact that it's a seven-on-seven tournament and you got the hat on in the first place. Let's talk about that. Like something that we haven't talked about nearly enough with Cam is that, you know, if you are young, I can't begin to explain to you what a polarizing figure he was coming out of Auburn, right? Just because of everything that happened um, with his pops and all of that stuff, right? And so he comes out of Auburn and this is before the paradigm. Cam is a big part of the paradigm shift and how a quarterback has to present himself or does present himself. And so Cam presented himself very much as quarterbacks did, right? Like very traditionally suited, all of that stuff or whatever. And if we're being honest, Cam is so much better as a podcast media guy than I ever thought that he would be because there was nothing in his early media appearances that implied that he would be good at it. But the reason was he was busy trying to sound like the rest of the quarterbacks when now he's good at it because he just sounds like him. And what none of us knew about Cam, none of us knew about Cam. He's a weirdo, man. Like, as we found out more and more about him, what we found out was, oh, this dude is a weirdo. He types in the font that's barely legible, right? He wears all this weird stuff and everything else. We just had no idea. We had no idea whatsoever, man. This dude was just a weirdo. But he is the biggest weirdo in the world. Literal, figurative, however you want to spin it. I can't believe that somebody really thought they was going to run on him. And then he is smiling as he's got one in a headlock. And I don't know what he's doing to the other one. The other thing about this, ain't nobody catch more strays in our evaluation than Dak Prescott. Sean, were you aware of that time that Dak Prescott got his ass kicked at Panama City Beach? I wasn't aware, but I saw you tweeting about it. And it was news to me when I, when I saw your tweet. Look it up. Look it up. It is honestly... The best explanation for why he got drafted in the fourth round is his. And what I feel bad for Dak is they, they got it, it, it didn't look like a fair fight, but he got handled. Them boys stomped him and his crew out, and he will never live this down. Right? Like, this is the best example somebody pointed out is watching Cam handle those dudes versus what happened at Panama City Beach. What you saw over the weekend was a game changer. What you saw happen at Panama City Beach, that there was a game manager and the game was managing his ass. Good gracious. Like, if I'm not mistaken, they like ripped off a bunch of skin off of his chest. Like, I just remember at some point he was like squaring up with them cats. Like, all right, it's his time. But he seemed to be squaring up with them in the way that you square up with somebody when you know, like, I am not the betting favorite. I won't show it, but I saw a photo of him just bloodied up afterwards. And, I, you know. That's quite the opposite of what happened to Cam. Do you want me to show? I'll show it. Yeah, let the people see this. Like, Dak, 
Dak was out there at Panama City Beach, man, for spring break. I don't think they do it no more. So, like, there ain't nobody else that's going to be able to go to Panama City Beach and take a more infamous ass whooping. But, hey, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Sorry for those of y'all who are on audio, but you just missed it. It looked like some people was standing over Dak and just stomping up. Yeah. Yeah, there he is getting himself up off the ground. Oh, yeah, he tried to get up and he had to get right back down. He tried to get up again. He went right back. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Honestly, to me, this says a lot more about Dak's crew than it say about Dak. He first team all SEC quarterback. Y'all let him get his ass whooped at Panama City Beach. That was a game manager, Sean. You see, you saw, you saw the game manager, huh? He managed something, I guess. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think about this. What would Cam Newton have to do to make you slap him in the face? Me and my brother used to ask that question about Ray Lewis. What would Ray Lewis have to say to you to get you so bad that you would just slap Ray Lewis in the face? What would it take for you to slap Cam Newton in the face? Truly a lot. I, I don't think I'd ever get to that point. I can't think of what it is. I can't, like, like I, I mean, I'm sure there are things that, like, I'm sure there are things that he could say about my mother that would make me want to slap him in the face. But my mama's going to have to explain what she did to make this like, like, I'm a, don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm, I got you, but I just want to know a little bit about how we got here in the first place. You know, like, just, just, just give me a hint. Just give me a hint. Like, if I'm going to die, I need to know I'm doing it for a good cause. All right, so uh, did you see the thing, Sean, with uh, Kyle Filipowski got hurt out there? Uh, Duke lost to Wake Forest. Wake Forest stormed the court, and Filipowski got hurt. Yeah, I saw like uh, he got into a little scuffle with the fan storming the court. Yeah, I want to start by saying, and I know, again, this won't mean nothing to you younger people, but to you people of a certain age, we got a grade A Shire face after he realized what had happened to Filipowski. You know, I hadn't thought about the Shire face in a very, very, very long time. But John Shire gave us some grade A Shire face after what happened to Filipowski. And look, man, it's it's a situation that you see many times in college basketball now. Uh, the kids decided this was their moment to store on the floor. And so they store on the floor and the coaches couldn't get the, the players couldn't get their guys off the floor at time. Filipowski was out there. Um, and it's raised some questions about should court storming be allowed? And the answer is such an obvious no that I can't even believe that anybody needs to bring up the question or the idea as to whether or not court storming should be banned. Of course it should be banned. I, I, just, need, I, just, I just need to ask this question. It's, it's very simple. If it's not okay for all the people to be on the floor at any other time, why is it okay for all the people to be on the floor there at the end of the game? Now, let me tell you the biggest, like, I got a whole number of reasons why this is, like, so dumb and silly. But I want to point out one thing right fast. I learned this lesson many, many years ago. I went to a Prince concert, and I had tickets on the floor, and Prince came back and played an encore. And as he's playing the encore... I remember there was a woman two rows behind me who was standing on her chair dancing as Prince was playing. And I never could find where it was because I definitely was looking. But somebody had absolutely fired something up down there on the floor. And so I'm looking at security as security's looking at the woman who's dancing during the encore and security is trying to get her to get down out of her chair because it's obviously unsafe for her to be doing that and she is just acting like he's not there like her eye level is here and the security is like here and she just looking straight past him like he ain't there and then finally he gave up and i remember i looked at her and she looked at me like what he gonna do and 
I learned something in that moment, which is no one in the world has ever lost their authority faster than security during an unexpected encore. They have no leverage. All they can do is kick you out. But the show's already over. They can't do anything in that moment. And so the court storm is like the encore on steroids. No one has any le- any leverage over the kids once they get out there. It is a full-on state of lawlessness. And you know that it's a state of lawlessness because if you looked at those clips of that game and you just saw security being like, all right, y'all come down, y'all come down, y'all come down. Now, you're not going to tell me that security at these games thinks this is a good idea. In fact, this is what we're talking about here is an anathema to their whole existence. Right? Like, this is what they exist to prevent. And it's like, all right, y'all got it. Y'all come on down. They know this is a horrific idea. All the things that people are terrified of, all the fear that you got of the unknown that got you with all these cameras at your house and all these different levels of locks and all this stuff. And you got a pistol in every room and everything else because you afraid of the unknown or what might happen. And we asking the question, gee, guys, you think it's okay to just let a few thousand people run onto a basketball court? You think that we should just assume all of them have good intentions? No, this is craziness. This is a liability issue waiting to happen. And it is a very easy way, obviously, for one of the players to get hurt. And you want to know one of the reasons it's a great way for one of the players to get hurt? Look what happened with Filipowski. And notice that I said with Filipowski and not to Filipowski. There's that Shire face. You see that classic Shire face right there? The crazy part is, I don't know who that white dude is who's facing the camera because I ain't been paying attention to college basketball this year. He looked like eight different dudes that went to Duke. Is that Ryan Kelly's son? I, I can't tell which one it is. But anyway, when Filipowski was out there and them dudes was running at him, you'll notice it. He tried to give one of them a shove. And he gave one of them the shove and it didn't cause the injury, I don't think. But he gave the shove, and then another one came and got him low, and that's where the injury seemed to take place. But he tried to he tried to dish out a little bit of punishment. Now I would like to note that him dishing out the dishing out a blow. See what I'm saying? Right there, boom. Now I would like to point out, and somebody pushed him back. He threw the blow, and now don't get me wrong, the person that pushed him back was not at all at risk. They in the wrong for pushing him to. He in the wrong for throwing that push as he did because that was a bit unnecessary. But that's what's going to happen when you've got thousands of people out there running at a cat. Something like that is entirely possible. And look, you don't know who it is that he pushing. They don't know who it is they running all. Vernon Maxwell could have been on that team. Ain't no telling what would have gone down if it was him. But you have no idea what's going on here. And so what's happened is this is it's a television shot like the schools like the shots because it makes it look like they got all this fan spirit and they can put it in their commercials and everything else and da da da. But to me, ultimately, field storming, court storming with a couple of exceptions has become totally played out. But what it has become and what it's evolved into is something that people associate with a college experience. Tell you a story. 20 years ago, North Carolina, uh, when I was in graduate school there, they played a game against Miami. Miami, I want to say, was number three in the nation at that time. It's the last time anybody really gave a damn about Miami football. But anyway, 
Carolina beat them and Carolina was terrible. But I want to say Carolina beat them 28 to 21 or something like that. And they stormed the field. And I remember talking to somebody who was there when they stormed the field. It was homecoming. I remember that. Who was there when they stormed the field. And they were just like, yo, it just felt good to have our chance to do that. Right? And so when I think of like when I first became aware of people running on the floor like that, my recollection at least, and this is, you know, anecdotal and maybe I'm missing the point, but my recollection at least is that it would be like spectacular and spontaneous. Like there was just all this energy that could not be contained and then boom, it just ran out onto the floor, right? Like the game was over, last second shot or something like that, and then everybody runs out on the floor. It makes it no safer, but that I think is different than this idea that we've got now is that storming the floor is like part and parcel of going to school and you create the moment where you storm the floor. You understand what I'm saying? And so basically what it feels like you're doing is that's supposed to be like a Haley's Comet moment, right? It only happens every X amount of time or whatever. Instead of this is like your birthright if you go to a D1 school that you get your chance um, to storm the floor. And it's not worth it. Like just because the kids think it's cool or just because they think it's a shot, it is obviously terribly unsafe for the players for the coaches and everything else. And again, not everybody's built to react to those things in the same way. Somebody gets swung on, somebody get tossed out. There's just a zillion different things that could happen. And none of them are actually good. Not a single one of them is good. And I'm going to tell you this other part too. And this is why I'm actually most surprised that they've allowed the court storming to happen. And I may be giving the game away right now, but I'm going to just throw it out there because it needs to be pointed out, Okay. They are really lucky that up until this point that the court stormers have not stopped and realized if we can do this now, we can do this anytime. Whenever we want, if we all just decide we're going to do it, what they going to do? We can just run out there. So for now, they out here doing it because they're happy. Wait till they don't like a call. Wait till the best player fouls out and they think it's unfair. Wait till it's some kind of brawl on the floor and they decide they need to get involved. But what the court storming, the fact that it happens seems to indicate in part a recognition by the people in charge. But you can't stop it. That in the end, if the if there's, this is a metaphor for life, by the way, right? That enough of y'all decide that we gonna do this, they can't check us and y'all can just go out there and do this. And I thought they'd want to put their foot on the neck of that idea, right? That's what I would have thought. But you know what that means, okay? Like, they are just, they are kowtowed to the understanding and the idea that if the revolution come, they can't stop it, right? They just like, all right, all right, cool. We just let it slide, right? Just let them do what they want to do because it's their good time. And that points out four important letters. For those of y'all who know me, I bet y'all know what these four letters are that I'm going to throw out there. You know what the four letters are? That's right, G T. B-W, because as much as everybody seems to act like and believe that they ain't really got no idea how it is that they would stop this, I just need you to imagine that it's 3,000 young African-Americans trespassing in such a fashion. It wouldn't happen again, guys. It wouldn't happen again. 
And if a few uh, basketball players had to inhale a little bit of tear gas to prove the point, then that's just what you'd have to do. You got to break some eggs to make some omelets, baby. And they would omelet their black asses all the way back in the crowd. And this would never, ever, ever happen again. So, yeah, you need to ask yourself, should they be allowed to storm the court? Ask yourself if it was 3,000 of me and mine running out there on the floor. You think that would be okay? <laughs> that's what I thought. Prize picks is the most fun you can have by winning up to 25 times your money. And with the football season over, you can still win money with basketball and hockey. Just choose two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. You can pick combo projections across multiple sports from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. And if you stick around for the end of the show, you'll get to hear some picks from our producer, Shaw, that can either help you win or make you fail miserably. So make sure you go to prizepicks.com slash Bomani and use code Bomani for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Bomani. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Relationships are not easy, no matter who they're with. Even my producer Sean and I have had some ups and downs in our relationship, but that's only made the show better in the long run. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes, the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships whether with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone. Therapy helps you find your strengths and also your weaknesses, so you can make the best out of any relationship in your life. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bomani today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bomani. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. 
We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you. Now, if you haven't heard. All right, Bo, our first story is on that crazy golf tournament. Hi, I'm Zach Jason, a features editor at Business Insider. I recently wrote about the drunken spectacle that I witnessed at this year's Waste Management Open in Phoenix. It's long been known as the rowdiest tournament on the PGA Tour, and this year happened to be the rowdiest, most unhinged ever. Over the four days, there were more than 650 emergency calls, 300 ejections, and more than 50 arrests. I went with some of my friends on Saturday, the wildest day, when more than 200,000 people, I don't know how many of them you can even call fans, flooded the course. The vibe was apparent by the time we got there at 9 a.m., when the average person seemed to already be a few spike seltzers deep. The tournament, especially in the stadium at the 16th hole, the loudest hole in golf, as it's known, has built up such a reputation for being a party that it's become less of a professional sports event and more of a black hole of feral manhood. It is mostly dudes. Here are just a few of the things that I saw that I was able to put into print. A streaker ran into a bunker, and the crowd booed because they were upset he wasn't completely naked. No hog, as one guy complained. I saw urinals overflowing by the dozens. I saw a woman crying beside a cactus in a puddle of her own vomit by the 11th rough, getting oxygen from an EMT at 10 a.m. I saw a guy in his 50s walk up to a group of four law school students in their early 20s and ask, do girls pay attention to technology? They listened to him talk about his AI startup for about three minutes before walking away. The day was so bonkers that by Monday, the tournament's executive director announced that by next year, there would be a complete operational change. Did he say no hog? He, uh, he sure did, Bo. Yo, like, I was just going to make the point, and it's kind of in line with the same stuff about, like, the court storming, that once this becomes advertised, like, this is the place to come act up, then what you're going to have is people who come specifically for the point of acting up, because now everybody, like, in order to stand out, you got to act up the most, or whatever it is. But they said, no, God, I'm just going to throw this out there. There are two Americas, and I feel very confident saying I know from which one the dude who said no hog came from. Just a guess. Just a guess. What else do we have, Sean? All right. We got a story on elderly care. Hi, I'm Raina Cohen, the author of a new book called The Other Significant Others, Reimagining Life with Friendship at the Center. I recently had an excerpt of the book appear in The Atlantic, and that piece tells the story of two friends named Barb and Inez. And if friendship were an Olympic sport, these women would absolutely win the gold medal. They have been best friends for 50 years, They've spent 25 of those years living together in retirement, and they take care of each other. They go to the same primary care doctor. They've seen each other through surgeries and illnesses and tragedies. A sociologist who studies aging said that the living and caregiving arrangement these women have could be the wave of the future because of demographic changes. Marriage and divorce and fertility rates with the way they are mean that older adults will need help from people other than their immediate family as they age. The other thing about Barbara and Inez's story is that they show that there's a way to flip a common caregiving dynamic. Often the person being cared for can feel like a burden or they have to pay someone to do that work. And those are unequal relationships. Instead, these two friends experience caregiving as a partnership. It's a less hierarchical mode of caregiving, and it's based not on a relationship of dependence, but one of equality. Yo, I'm not going to lie. 
That's the 43-year-old dude that's single with no kids. I saw that story. And I just wanted to put that out there and just be like, hey, man, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, we about to be, it's about to be friends giving for life out this piece. Like, <laughs> we, we, need, we need to keep this in mind, all of y'all. I got some homies out here in a very similar boat that I know listen to this show. Maybe we need to start taking some notes off these old ladies and figure out what to do because it's about to be us unless something changes. It, it's real to me, damn it. It's real to me. Sean, you better hope that woman loves you for real. Otherwise, you're going to be out here with us. And you younger, too. You're going to have to put in all the work on the front end. Yeah, I'm just going to be a full-time caregiver at this point, just for uh, some of my older friends. Nah, you're going to be... You're going to be part of the crew, and this just becomes your payback for all the knowledge and wisdom that we've been hitting y'all's little young dumbasses with for all these years, right? Like, that's that's what the payback is. Just come through for the homies in their time of need. You know what I'm saying? Mutually beneficial. There we go. Because let me tell you something, boy, them nursing homes are expensive. They sure are. Um, we can go to the next story, which similar, very similar to the Wendy Williams uh, situation happening right now. Hi, I'm Gabby Landsberg, and I'm a health reporter for Business Insider. I covered the recent diagnosis of Wendy Williams with frontotemporal dementia and primary progressive aphasia. Williams had stepped down last year from her namesake talk show due to other health complications, and her care team announced the new diagnosis on February 22nd. Frontotemporal dementia refers to a group of neurological disorders in which nerve cells are damaged in certain areas of the brain. The frontal lobe, located behind the forehead, and the temporal lobes behind the ears help to regulate language abilities, mood, and behavior. So damage to those areas of the brain can cause people to have trouble communicating, speaking, and writing, and to experience sudden changes to their behavior or even their personality. You may have heard of frontotemporal dementia in the news recently already, as actor Bruce Willis was also diagnosed with the condition and with aphasia last year. The condition is the most common form of dementia in people under age 60, it can have similar symptoms as Alzheimer's, but tends to occur in younger people. As of now, there is no cure or treatment, according to research and advocacy organizations. And the disease is progressive, which means that symptoms worsen over time. Yeah, so I put this in in part because Wendy Williams is one of those people that I've been aware of, I guess now for like 30 years, give or take. But I didn't look up until recently and realize like just how ridiculously famous and ultimately influential she has ultimately been. Um, I like, you know, that just happens sometimes where like I didn't think of a person because I'm not a person like watching daytime talk shows or whatever. But she's she was that woman like and you look at content, especially in this Internet era and the podcast stuff, especially with black people. And you see like the Wendy Williams influence all over the place. Like ask yourself, as crazy as this gonna sound, ask yourself how many dudes is out here doing podcasts trying to be like Wendy Williams? Dudes, right? Like it's a whole lot of airing people out, a whole lot of dragging people. Like, you know, the way that we just kind of, and I mean, I engage in some of this to myself, but let's be clear, like the way that we get into people's business and talk about it in the peripheral ways and all, hey man, like a lot of that goes there. Like the line and turning that into big business, a lot of that starts right there with Wendy Williams, the hugely influential figure that is hugely influential to people who would swear to you that they didn't like her in the first place.
All right, Bo, I know you offered up an AMA to the audience, a lot of great submissions. We'll start with this first one. I think they sent it in because you were tweeting about The Wire and Stringer Bell so frequently, so here we go. Hey, I've heard you talk about both of these people before, so I wanted to ask, who would you least want to be stuck in an elevator with? Stringer Bell or Elliot Stapler? Love the show. See, that's a that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Like, I'm not too big on Elliot Stabler from SVU because, like, quite honestly, I mean, he's so police. Like, he all the police all the time. You know, they they make it, you know, he'd be out here hunting down child molesters, so that allows you to cut a little slack to his extra violence. But, you know, I guess in the end, at least I feel like his heart is in the right place as opposed to goddamn Stringer Bell. As I told you, man, I saw Stringer Bell in that movie about Nelson Mandela, and I had to kind of like stop and take a moment and realize, man, maybe I've been a little bit unfair to apartheid. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's Stringer Bell on one side and anything else on the other, how bad could the other thing be? So I had to, I had to be fair to apartheid. I had to at least give it a fair acquittal. You know what I'm saying? And I realized I could hate two things at once. So it was cool or whatever. But no, I feel like like the only thing that would worry me about riding the elevator with Stringer Bell is it would only be a matter of time before he started trying to get me like his business card to try to get me interested in what was it called? Prepaid legal. You know what I mean? That, that, that would be my concern is him trying to like get me involved in the prepaid legal. And that's that's not that's not what I would want there. But it, like I say, at least Stabler, Stabler trying to do good things the wrong way. You know, Strang, on the other hand, you just bad news. I'm just imagining what kind of small talk either guy would would have to you on the elevator to start things off. Like you imagine how frustrated I would be listening to Stringer Bell misuse economics terms. Like you just imagine as he's trying to trying to. Imp- mm. who, who we got next, man? Who we got next? All right, we got a caller who loves your episodes with Spencer Hall and the chemistry you guys have, and curious about how it all happened. Hey, Bomani, how's it going, man? Big fan. Um, Wanted to ask, I'm a huge fan of all of your uh, episodes with Spencer Hall, uh, and I think you guys are just like a perfect combination together. I've listened to that Stevie Wonder episode like at least five times. So I guess my question was, how did you first get introduced to Spencer, or how did he get introduced to you, and kind of how did your friendship start? Because I think you guys just play off each other so well, and you're two of the most interesting people in sports media, in my opinion. So just curious kind of how that started and uh, and how your friendship has grown. So. Anyways, keep up the great work, man. Love the show. Ah, appreciate it. It's pretty simple. We met on the internet, and then he started coming on my radio show, and then Spencer got me a job at where his job was, and then it just kind of went from there. But I tell people this. This is a wild thing, and I think my Atlanta folks will understand me on this to a degree. I was out with Spencer once. I guess it was the year 2012, and we're at some bar that only he would pick out, some like medieval-type shit over there by MJQ. Like, definitely not a place that I would have found myself. I mean, in medieval, literally, like that's how I would describe that. So anyway, we're sitting there in the bar and I stopped and I took a moment and I looked around and I realized like this is the first time I have ever voluntarily hung out with a white person in this city. And I am not a person that's opposed to hanging out with white people. That's just how like segregated Atlanta is. And it hit me. And then later that night, I'll never forget. It was these two younger black women. I think I was in my early 30s. They had to be in their early 20s. And I forget what the T-shirt was that Spencer was wearing, but it made some allusion to Bo Jackson. And I'm just watching him talk to these young ladies about the 1982 Auburn-Alabama game. And I'm looking at their faces and I'm like, oh, my God, they are eating this shit up. 
Like they are going for every single word that he is saying right now about this nerdy college football stuff that he and I ordinarily talk about, which is to say, hey, man, all my weird white homies, you got more of a chance than you realize. You just don't know. All right. All right. Here's our last question. Hey, Bobani, this is Jalen Brown. Uh, not the subject, just to clarify. But being a HBCU alum, uh, I've noticed, you know, throughout the past couple of years, we've got a, a couple of upsets, you know, against bigger Power 5 schools in basketball uh, compared to football. Uh, so my question is, do you think that HBCU sports should maybe pivot and get a hard focus on the basketball space uh, where we could possibly see some growth as opposed to uh, trying to compete with some of these bigger D1 schools in football. How about you graduate the kids that you got? How about that, right? It's not going to happen. I don't like, like the dream of, you go, we going to start getting, no, we're not going to start getting big time players to go to these schools. Not enough of them to make an actual difference. No, that's, that's not, it's not happening. Never did happen. Never going to happen. It's fine. It's not going down. How about you graduate the kids that you got here? Because if you really want to tell me that you sound like the white man, it is you saying that you only believe that the kids that play ball that deserve that level of treatment are the ones that help fulfill your capitalist dreams. Because that's basically what you're telling me every time you say this. There's kids playing basketball right now. They deserve pretty good treatment too. How about focus on the kids that you got right now? Because in the end, we ain't got the facilities. Have you looked at what's they got? They, they got like a, a McDonald's and Taco Bell in the locker room at some of these places. I don't think that I'm being literal, but I ain't being far off from this. We ain't got that kind of bread to compete with that. Do right by the players that we got. And I promise you everything going to be OK. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the right time. But right fast, Sean. Where the prize picks for the people? Prize picks, indeed. We got some NBA games tonight. DeMontis Sabonis, 19.5 points. Jalen Brunson, 24.5 points. Cade Cunningham, 2.5 rebounds. More on all of the above. Really? You sure? You sure you want to go over, Sean? Is like, that shocking over, over, to anyone? I'm just checking. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. I, was, I love that this time you didn't even say it in between. Like, we basically reached a point where all you got to do is say today. Sean is an optimist. That's what that is. Sean's optimistic prize picks. Let's try to make you guys some money. Hopefully the optimism works. <laughs> and you just want people to get buckets. I feel it. I respect it. But... Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week. That's Sean. You handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Also, thanks to our If You Haven't Heard contributors. Thanks to Raina Cohen. Check out her story for The Atlantic on older people who are taking care of each other. Thanks to Zach Jason of Business Insider. Check out his story on nine hours at the most unhinged hole in golf. And thanks to Gabby Landsberg. Check out her story on Wendy Williams' diagnosis of dementia. Remember, follow The Right Times. Subscribe, like, rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy.